Welcome to another episode of the Wes Henderson Podcast. This one's going to revolve around conversations of this book, Think Again, by Adam Grant. If you don't know who Adam Grant is, let's read specifically his CV here. Um, Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist at the Wharton School of Business, where he's been the top-rated professor for seven straight years. He sold millions of copies of his books. Um, TED Talks have been viewed over 25 million times. And I highly recommend this podcast, which is The Work Life with Adam Grant, he studies business, studies how the top businesses work, how different people organize their employees for productivity, for creativity, and a whole bunch of stuff. I do have some issues at times when people that only study a subject rather than actually envelop themselves um, within the day-to-day, but overall, highly recommend a lot of Adam Grant's work. And that's why I'm wearing, let's see, if I kind of turn this Barstool Sports cancel culture shirt with a X through it, because a lot of the cancel culture nowadays stems from people not understanding a lot of elements of this book, Think Again. So let's, we'll get into that. I try really hard to satiate my curiosity by trying new things, and from that, in trying new things, I get a lot of empathy, empathy from world travel, understanding how different cultures act and just trying to imagine myself within a situation or doing different things like doing jujitsu, doing Muay Thai, doing CrossFit, uh, shooting guns, paddle boarding, uh, just anything. And like right now, what I'm doing is I'm trying to write a science fiction book. I have read to date 17 books not enough, I guess, are fiction books. And I used to never read fiction. It used to be only nonfiction. I was like, if I'm going to sit here and dedicate my time to simply reading, then I want to learn something. And that was very naive of me to think that way. So I explore, you know, why do people, you know, I, I love fiction movies, but why do people sit and read fiction books? Come to find out there are studies done on this that, there's a difference of how your mind works when you're reading a fiction book and I'm not this isn't calling out religion being fiction but it also applies to religious texts like the Bible, the Quran and how your brain works versus reading nonfiction books. And the way your brain works is when you're reading a nonfiction you're giving a set of facts. And apparently the way you interpret them is very narrowly focused within those set of facts when you're reading nonfiction. Versus when you read fiction, your mind kind of just lets its imagination run wild. So you're able to adapt the situations giving within some sort of fiction narrative to everyday life. And that's where a lot of morality and stories come from to help people understand better. I guess. So like in history, there are, you know, people that don't know history are doomed to repeat it, but if you can interpret certain elements that we've learned through history, through fiction, it seems to help people understand more of how it adapts to their everyday lives. So I'm reading, I'm sorry, I'm writing a science fiction book and it's probably more, I would say in the line of Andy Weir and the Martian and project Hail Mary. I remember being undergrad just, figuring out ways like there's got to be more entertaining ways to learn. 
And I, I read a lot of physics and a lot of science books, and there's some really cool things out there that can help really drive a story. And they're better than anything that I've ever read or anybody can make up in their mind. So I'm using elements of that. I don't want to go too in-depth and give away. I'm trying to figure out how the whole publishing works. Maybe I'll do the Andy Weir route uh, where he was just publishing, publishing chapters of The Martian as he wrote them and just putting them out there for free. And then as people wanted a more consolidated version of it, he self-published on Amazon and went that route. Then a publisher picked it up, published it for him. And ever since then, he's been working with the publisher and published Artemis and Project Hail Mary, which is my personal favorite. And I did a review on the podcast. So that is something that I'm trying to do. And the more, again, I learn, the more empathy I have and the more I've been attracted to more fiction because it's so difficult writing a three-act narrative and mapping it out, writing 75,000 to 120,000 words, which is generally in the neighborhood of how long a novel is. And as I read like the Jack Carr series, which is starts off with the terminal list, which was recently depicted by Chris Pratt on Amazon prime. Again, I've just got more and more respect for these guys and how they do it. It's just something I never had before. Again, just changed my way of thought more in line to what Adam Grant is talking about here. And speaking of that, too, it also explains why the last seasons of Game of Thrones were so bad. If you, it's because they detracted from the imagination of George R. R. Martin. Like, they had a skeletonized, like, outline of here are the elements that you need to satisfy to wrap up the story. But it didn't come from George R. R. Martin. And that's given me distrust with HBO with House of Dragons. The, the episodes have been actually very, very good and better than what I expected. And I think a lot of that just derives from the fact that Game of Thrones did not end well. But again, I have I have empathy. It, it, it can't be easy to adapt someone's story and then have to come off of it to try to wrap it up. But again, that's where you see the fork in the road between what was great to what became bad. Another show like that has been Yellowstone this most recent season. It's, it's a great show. I don't think it was absolutely terrible or as bad as some of my friends have said it to be, but Taylor Sheridan went off and did other projects and some other writers were working on that. And then you see that it just wasn't as good. So again, empathy, 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 but going back to Game of Thrones, I have such trust issues that I ordered Fire and Blood, and I'm going to read that, which is where the new House of Dragon show was adapted from, just so at least I get like the first-hand account of what it's supposed to be, just in case it goes off the rails and isn't good anymore. Also, all the gore and everything else from the original Game of Thrones, if you watch The Boys, it's completely made myself numb to... Uh, the gore and how gross people can get special effects. The, the first episode of house of dragons, there was a scene where it was just, it was pretty rough, but nothing compared to with the boys, which is a gore aside, all the brutality, fantastic show. So let's get back to think again by Adam grants. This book was recommended on a, is it Forbes or fortune? I can't remember which list by Jim Cavanaugh, 
CEO of Worldwide Technology, which if you have figured out my LinkedIn, is the company that I'm a consultant for. No secret there. And brilliant, man. The way they've built that company is incredible. And it's because the leaders at the top continually educate themselves to see how much better they can get. And this was Jim Cavanaugh's recommendation on the article of what books you should read. And it's wrapped up in the actions for impact, just to give you like a recount, something to revisit, which I absolutely love with books like this. Um, like atomic habits is another one that I'll review in the future episode. I'm sure. Um, but I wanted to focus a lot on where is it? If I can find it back here, harness your benefits of doubt, embrace the joy of being wrong. Beware of getting stranded on Mount stupid. Seek out here. Go seek out information that goes against your views. This is so important. And I think out of everything in this book is something that needs to be understood and something that I want to try. I don't want to seem like a flip-flopper where I discuss something on this podcast and then later on I say, oh, no, actually, this is what I have learned. But that's what I want. I want to constantly evolve myself and as new information presents itself or I seek out the new information, then my mind has changed. And I think the lack of people doing that has led to exactly the shirt I'm wearing, cancel culture. You have to be able to hear other people's opinions and understand them. There is no left or right, black or white, Democrat or Republican. There is no way in hell your views are just going to perfectly align with whatever platform has been designated for you. Prime example of this little exercise, the Paris Climate Agreement. When I was in law school, this was years and years and years before Trump um, was in office and had taken and had decided that the United States should exit the Paris Climate Agreement. It was under the Obama administration, but th- this is law school. We're studying international, it was international trade law, and we're reading the, the provisions of it, and 100% of that class was like, this is actually a bad deal for the United States because we're going to enforce the provisions of this agreement uh to the United States, but there was countries like China um, that necessarily didn't have to adhere to it. And there was no global enforcement of people who didn't adhere to it. So there was just billions of dollars being poured out by the United States to help progress the Paris climate agreement. And it was just like an uneven deal. We can outside. It was determined by the class. We were just like, well, we can just operate outside of this, do our day to day, keep that money in house, and then do our net zero carbon initiatives within the United States. But then years later, it was like, hey, you know, President Trump was like, hey, it's a bad deal for the United States. And because it was him saying it, I even saw some of my classmates come out and go, yeah, like online on social media when I still had it and say, this is a, you know, this this is terrible. Like we should. And I'm, I'm sitting in my head. I'm like, I remember being in that class and it was just a nonpartisan class when we're evaluating it on its face and, and trying to do it in an objective manner as possible. But then you you label it and you put it to towards a party and all of a sudden these same people are, are just going on the other side. That is, I don't get it. I'm sure I'm guilty of it, especially around sports. Tribes are important. 
Communities are important, but don't let the community drive your individuality and the way you think. And there are elements spoken about that in Atomic Habits where there are statistics that show for a majority of the people, the majority of the population, people would rather be wrong but within a group than stand out and be correct. And that is so dangerous and so mind-blowing that I just I don't understand it. I don't know who participates in these studies or these surveys you see as well. I've never been called for it. I've never participated in a study like that. I would be more of an outsider because I, I don't care. Like I want to be part of a group of people, but I also want to get to the truth and have civil discussions and debates where, and debates, not arguments, debates where information is passed back and forth. And then you can come to some sort of middle ground and understanding and maybe you don't agree on the final subject, but you at least have empathy for the other person. That was something, again, in law school that we always learned. Um, constitutional law professor was always just like, just because you don't agree with the outcome, do you understand where it comes from? And with understanding comes empathy. And it's, it's, it's just how the world should work. We should be able to have civil discussions. And books like Think Again by Adam Grant are wonderful for pointing that out. Oh, it's even got M. Night Shyamalan back here. Adam Grant makes a captivating argument that if we have the humility and curiosity to reconsider our beliefs, we can always reinvent ourselves. Think Again helped me learn about how great thinkers and achievers don't let expertise or experience stand in the way of being perpetual students. It, you, you actually, you know what that reminds me of? Uh, another book that I'll review at some point is um, Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman, which is about Richard Feynman, Nobel Prize winning physicist. Brilliant mind there with Einstein, Stephen Hawking, just anybody that you can think of as far as in the world of science or the STEM fields is just a brilliant individual. There's a scene where, scene, there's an event. Richard Feynman, very young physicist, is giving a speech and the exact topic I can't recall. However, it was a big topic. It was a game-breaking topic, a topic later on he was proven wrong at. And it was adverse to a position that Albert Einstein himself had taken with his theories and with his studies. Because it was such a revolutionary and potentially game-changing topic, and it was adverse to someone as notoriety, with such notoriety as Einstein, tons of people flocked for this young Richard Feynman, this new brilliant scientist that was going to give this speech. And he was just out of his mind, nervous, had anxiety, whatnot. And within that crowd included Albert Einstein. So as Richard Feynman is speaking and giving his, uh, his notes, discussions on theory, why he believes in such, there's a lot of groans, there's a lot of moans, there's a lot of people fighting back. Because Einstein's there, someone questions Einstein what his thoughts are. And he sat there and he was just like, I could be completely wrong. He had such humility and favored the truth of knowledge so much that he was willing to listen to someone 20, 30, 40 years his junior take a position that was adverse to something that he had dedicated his life to. So when Einstein, Albert Einstein, by all accounts, one of the most brilliant men to ever exist and with such game-changing science that has been attributed to humanity says I could be wrong. Com apparently just completely changed the whole mood. Now 
turns out Richard Feynman was wrong with his theory, but it was just an amazing moment. And I think Richard Feynman took that within his career because throughout the book, he was always seeking himself to be wrong. Michio Kaku, who I'm a huge fan of, if older Asian gentleman, he's got the crazy Einsteinish hair, uh, was on the Tim Ferriss podcast and I was listening to it. And this is quite a while ago. And they, they got on the topic of people that doubt some of his work and stuff. And he, he starts talking. He's like, you need that. Through the debate of truth comes, the, comes out the untruth and the truth. So people got to challenge it. it. It's just a basic thing with science. And through the pandemic, it was, again, adverse to anything that I had learned in my undergraduate career as a biochemistry major, where you have a hypothesis and you test that hypothesis and see how repeatable the results are to determine whether or not there's a truth. And you're constantly trying to challenge it. You're trying to figure out different ways to defeat it because you want to be right. And on top of that, when you go publish a paper, it needs to be peer reviewed. And then the person peer reviewing is trying to poke holes at it, trying to figure out whether or not this is right or wrong. Because I think in the end, it's to the benefit of you. You don't want to sound like an idiot. And again, that kind of mentality needs to come out better. So, so I, I do recommend this book. I do have some issues sometimes, with, again, that people like Adam Grant that don't envelop themselves the day to day, just because a lot of what they talk about is theory and business. There's a episode about The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, and they're talking about how different it was under Trevor Noah than with Jon Stewart. Because a lot of people feel more creative. There's a lot more collaboration under Trevor Trevor Noah. Yeah, sorry, Trevor Noah's leadership than John Stewart's. It was very much. I wouldn't you wouldn't call it a dictatorship, but it was very much him having the last word, driving what the content should be and whatnot. I mean, it was the Daily Show with John Stewart. It is the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, but he has his own way of getting a lot more collaboration in, in the episode of the podcast, Adam Grant's talking about how great it is. Trevor Noah is all the employees are, but let's look at the results of Trevor Noah versus John Stewart. Not as good. The ratings aren't near as good. I've watched both shows. Anecdotally, my personal opinion would be that the John Stewart version is just way better. It was more of his voice. He was a brilliant guy is a brilliant guy. And he drove the show. Now, people may not have liked it that worked under him, but it was, by all accounts, a su- successful show. And I think is your ultimate goal is to create something amazing, then it really sh- shouldn't matter, I guess, how it is on the back end. M- maybe the people weren't as happier, but the product was better. Then on the Trevor Noah side, it's like, yeah, this creative collaborative effort, but it, the show's just not as good as the Jon Stewart one. So... A lot of that and the theory and the application and the studying by Adam Grant, sometimes it's like the application is a much better, you know, what's the result of the application than the actual theory behind it? Same with laws. It's very similar to law school and even science. Like theory and application are just so different. But overall, I mean, he is a brilliant mind. He's at the Wharton School of Business, which is one of the top business schools in the world next to Harvard and I think Chicago. Actually, I think that the, the rankings have actually changed. It used to be just Harvard Business School. This is the top. But Wharton's been up there as well. So highly recommend this. Let's see what other great gems of wisdom are back here. I already lost my spot. Um, 
complexify contentious topics, don't shy away from caveats and contingencies, rethink your actions, not just your surroundings, schedule a live checkup. There are such commonalities between a book like this, a book like uh, Extreme Ownership, Atomic Habits, Marcus Aurelius Meditations, The Daily Stoic, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, Humility. It all comes down to humility and constantly challenging the the way you think. I'm not perfect at it. God, I'm so far from being any sort of person that isn't considered stubborn. But every single day I try to better myself in that way, and we're all human. But I think the effort is a good step forward to try to challenge the way I think. Now, you're not going to convince me that the Green Bay Packers aren't the best team in the NFL, that the St. Louis Cardinals aren't the best all-time team of Major League Baseball. There's just things that I know I'm right. So (laughs) that's a good way to wrap it up. Again, this is Think Again by Adam Grant. Highly recommend this as a read, really quick read. It'll do wonders, personal life, professional life. And yeah. That's this episode. I will see you in the next one. I think we're going to start talking about more product focus. Um, We'll do one of the things I get bitched at sometimes is I I don't release like lists of, of uh, products early enough from Christmas time or gift giving time, whatever it is that your beliefs are. So I'm going to start shelling those out. We'll go like, um, since I'm kind of just more broader now, uh, EDC everyday carry episode, and then we'll do a, uh, gym bag, current gym bag setup and we'll start getting into that. All right. So I will see you in the next one.